As you know, some of our audio effects are provided by BattleBards. The big news is that BattleBards.com is now live. Go onto the site, you'll find loads of tools, loads of sounds, everything that a DM could want. In next week's episode, you'll hear us using sounds at the table. And that'll become more common as we all figure out what kind of sounds we want for our characters and how to make it work technically. Hi, welcome to Swordnut Radio. This episode is our 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons campaign, Doors. Last time, the party made their escape from the compound of the Shadow of the White, picking up Jace, a man of ill repute and quick fists. As they'd seen before at the Siege of Kerava and the ambush at Kyneton, simple creatures became enlarged in monstrous proportions, and other beings materialised out of nowhere to disappear just as quickly. They were followed by a small group of cultists, and while they managed to fight them off, one of them managed to get a signal away. A giant materialised near the party. As Kara had dealt with the danger, keeping it away from them and disarming it, Rue made the connection that these strange occurrences were linked to the spilling of blood, specifically the cultist blood, and remembered that he had seen some of the Chosen at the Siege of Kerava plunging daggers into the heads of the fallen, returning them to normal. Searching the bodies, they found each of them carried such a dagger, and quickly applied them to the corpses and spilled blood. Unfortunately, they were unable to investigate further, as a mob of cultists, summoned by the earlier signal, chased them down the road, and they were barely able to make it away, with the aid of some misdirection. And let's pick it back up. In real life, we have... Hi, I'm Adam A. I play Gimbal Galloglass, Miniature Bard. Hi, my name's David Honaker. This week I'm playing Jace, and since he changes his last name every once in a while, I'm going to say Jace Warfinder. Cool, uh, and... Nice, consistent character I play. <laughs> Via Skype... Hello, I'm Biddy, and I play Rue, and I play a warlock who has his very own destiny. Biddy is also joining us from the inside of an oxygen tent. <laughs> Hola, soy Paul. Soy el master. If I a mataras a todos. We're, we're on the road. You succeed in your skill challenge, and we ran the skill challenge almost like it was combat. You were taking very short actions, because uh, I want to break you into it. That's the first one we've done. We're going to go into another skill challenge now, which is a lot more broken up, a bit more regimented. This one is going to be um, your overland travel because you are on the road to the coast. You are um, heading east. You're going towards a place where uh, Zinath, the Shadow of the Blue, has said, um, I've instructed someone to be waiting for you with a boat. You turn up, just look for a boat, they will find you. So um, you assume there's been some communication back and forth. But it's a good three, four days away. Straight shot down the road, but you've got some complications. The first is that you have been chased out in hot pursuit by the family. So at least some part of the family is enough people have seen you around to have identified you. Okay, so this is information that you will gain sort of on your, your walk out. This is stuff that you've realised is that even though Gimbal was invisible in the compound, his friends weren't. And people were, were coming from the compound to meet you in the manor house in town Um for these interviews where you were you were trying to establish whether they really wanted to stay or not, who wanted to go and what how that was going to work as a means of sort of getting you on board. Okay, so Zinat's there going, yeah, anyone who wants to go can go, you know, you're fine. All these people you were sent to rescue and bring back safely can go if they want to. If they don't want to go, I can't force them. So um, you had some chat with them. It was basically about um, 40% of them wanted to stay and the rest of them were going to go um, and it seemed pretty straightforward. There was actually a... Um, 
one of the guards uh, who was injured and, and taken. Um, lady by the name of Lucy Dern, who had some history with Bleak, said that she would take responsibility for getting them home. And also, <clears throat> some of the people on your your list of people who must be uh, who, who must be taken care of, who must who must return. I think it was uh, Helena Taran. You know, seemed seemed to be taking charge of the people who would return, and that seemed to be all right with you. But the upshot is, a lot of people know who you are. They know that you're associated with Zinath. One person describing the lot of you to someone else would very easily pick up on that. So even if the people in the in you know that you saw in the compound, who saw you in the compound, aren't the people who were in the room with you, they know who you are. They know who it was doing these things. You've got that complication, so you don't know where you stand at the moment. The second thing is that you had a week's worth of rations. You had five days' worth of rations when you left Kereva. Those were provided to you. Now, it was two days to this town that you got to. I'm just going to let you know the, ta- the name of the town is, is Middle Boss. Just because fuck you. Cause you never asked. You don't care about my creations. Uh, so you used up two there. We'll assume that you didn't use any while you were there for the, sort of the day and a half you were there because you were being put up. However, you've got a three to four day journey now. So you've got three days' rations left. You didn't say you were topping them up at any point. And you had to leave in a hurry as well. They've also got an extra mouth to feed. Exactly. You've got three days' rations for three people because Bleak's kit didn't go. He gave a dagger to Gimbal Gimbal, uh, by way of defence when they were attacked by the demon. But that's it. And uh, Gimbal has now divested himself of that dagger. So you don't have any of his kit. So you've got three days' of rations for three people. You now have four people. And three, maybe four days of travel. That's if you stick to the road. If you go off-road, it's going to be at least five, six days, depending on the, on the route you take. So what I want you to do is we're going to have a little skill challenge. And one of you is going to take the role of quartermaster. So the person who's responsible for um, feeding and watering uh, in any way. So be that by getting more food or by um, distributing what you've got. One of you is going to take the role of navigator. Do you choose to stay on the path and be exposed or do you choose to come off it? Are there shortcuts you could take? Could you just go over this hill or this sort of rocky terrain that is avoided um, or cut across fields and such like and maybe cut some time off your journey? And one of you is going to be the lookout. So the person who is going to spot opportunities and risks. So decide amongst yourselves who's who. Quartermaster, lookout and navigator. With... Tom not being here, can we still allocate him one of these positions? You cannot. Uh, the way I'm going to run people who aren't here is that all they can do is help. Okay. In combat, Tom could, uh, or Karahad could give you um, advantage on a roll, and he can impose disadvantage on an attack if you are stood next to him. Uh, but only once per, per round, because he's got a shield. Um, but that's all he can do. On a skill challenge or on a skill roll, um, if you want him to help you in some way, then he will automatically help. Okay, it's a shame. He In fact, fuck it. No, you will roll. You will roll a flat d twenty, and if it's uh, ten or under, he hinders you, and you get disadvantage. And if it's over, you get advantage. There's no half measures. He either helps or he hinders. Okay, cool. But you can only help one of you any particular time. You're going to roll um, about twice, or until we reach the goal, which is to get to the coast. Okay, I was going to totally nominate him for quartermaster because he kind of so good about everything that he would do it fairly. In his absence, I'm going to say Gimbal. I think he's probably best for that role. Okay, cool. So we'll talk about your characters, like 
what what are you good at? What's your background? What's your history in the world? You know, like your character traits, your 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 actual background, your skills. What 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 do you bring? Because you would say on the journey, you'd start by saying this sort of stuff. Like, actually, I'm pretty good at you know this or that. Or that so. Uh, well, Jace, despite the fact that he's he's probably been a uh, pirate ship captain and various other things, is well, he's he's not a proper captain. He was a pirate captain, so he's irresponsible, unfair, but probably quite a good lookout because he spent a lot of time trekking around between places, scouting out likely targets for raids and various. So, I think he should probably with not be a really knowing you very well, being someone we've only just met. I wouldn't trust you with like something as important as the food. Generally speaking, I think the more you got to know me, the less you would trust me with anything like the food. <laughs> or the booze. Gimbal has spent a lot of time being ostracized from most of the villages where he would try and gain something from spreading his arts. So, they find out he's not actually a child. He's just some freakish little thing. Yeah. So um, he's going to be used to making everything last as long as possible anyway. Therefore, Rue has a very good point in saying that Gimbal would do best as Quartermaster, and also Gimbal being um, quite a friendly person would also make sure, well, he'd want to keep everyone on side by making sure everybody got a fair share. Which leaves Rue as the navigator. Which kind of makes sense, because I've got Fuzz to be up in the air, being my eyes in the sky, so... That kind of makes logical sense anyway. You can use him to scout out the terrain up and coming, keep an eye out for uh, enemies who may be following us or anything, anything we might run into on the way. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we get regular stops as well because you can't use his eyes and walk at the same time. Well, I don't necessarily need to use his eyes all the time to be seeing them. I mean, I, can, I suppose I can just have him up in the air because he can then contact me if he sees something specific, yeah. at which point I can then kind of do that, but otherwise he's just kind of up there. Because I don't always have to be seeing through his eyes, he can just be talking to me telepathically and sending me kind of like feelings and images and stuff, so so long as the, the general kind of gist of his mood is fine, I know everything's going okay. I was going to say, with the, with the eyes in the sky, maybe you'd be better as a scout, and I, I also did a complete fail and forgot that I actually have navigation tools... And the ability to use navigators' tools. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That. Oops. We'll swap over then. <laughs> yeah, I could probably scout things out, but you got a freaking mini dragon. Um, I say it's, it's navigators' tools that you've got. Um, probably not to not like to a sextant kind of level, but you've got like yeah, um, yeah, compass, uh, ways of finding your way on on general terrain. Anyway, yeah. Arr. <laughs> no, I'm not playing that kind of pirate. What's the first order of business? Who wants to go first in this skill challenge? What skill would navigation be? I don't I don't know what It would generally be uh survival, survival unless you can tell me why something else would make sense. Well with using navigator's tools, I mean survival is reading the terrain, it's reading things like that. I'm just If the the, the way um tool proficiencies work is and this goes for your instruments as well for gimbal. If you are rolling a skill, let's say call it performance, you're proficient in that, you get to add your proficiency bonus. Fine. If you're using uh, an instrument with which you're also proficient, you get to add your, your proficiency again. So say I'm not proficient in survival, but I am proficient in navigator tools and have them. That's my proficiency bonus once yes. rather than twice. Yeah. Okay. You know you're headed towards a particular town. You know there's a, there is a straight road. You know there's a straight road, but you might yeah. be nervous about who's following you. Well, tell me, tell me what time of day it is. I as mean, well. are we going? Are we going off road, guys? Or? Uh, well, if we're starting this at the beginning of uh, having escaped from the town, I suppose it's early morning or morning because we were 
attacking during the night, weren't we? At the early hours. Yeah, everything happened very quickly. So it's uh, the, the instant that you got away. And it's just pre dawn. So it's about half past four in the morning that you got away. So so do you, do you want it to be sort of dawn or. Let's say pre dawn, then I'll, 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 before we set out, I'll get a good read on the stars. Fair enough, yeah. Uh, you, you're going to get a good read on the stars then? Do so. <laughs> Seven. No. Nine. It's, it's average, so... Um, That'd be ten, because it's five plus two plus three. I'm being stupid, it's ten. So it's ten, okay. The way in which I don't have a target in mind, but the worse you roll, the more complications you get later on. Pre-dawn, the, the, the stars are a bit fuzzy. I'm a bit fuzzy because it's on land, away from areas that I know well, so... So you've got a good read on, on general directions and such like, but what would have really helped you is knowing where your destination is as the crow flies to you. And you've got a rough idea, sort of within a 20 degree angle about where, it is, where it's going to be. So no fucking clue, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's that way. Yeah. Not much better than, a, than just sort of knowing that this road goes generally southeast and you're generally wanting to go southeast-ish, maybe east, I don't know. Um, but there, somewhere that way. And you've got a vague idea that you might be able to take a shortcut, but you don't really know. Like, if you went off-road, you'd probably be quite uncertain about that at this point. So that's taking you into, into the dawn. What, what's, the, what's the action? What are, you, what are you actually doing here? I mean, are you, are you walking while they're doing this? Maybe it's because you're walking at the time. Well, I'd imagine we, we've, we've just narrowly escaped these people. We probably want to get away from them as quickly as possible. Yeah. We know that there's no... So you're, not, you're not just going to wait until the, the, the battle music cuts out and then go, right, I'm going to sleep now. I'm going to fast travel. <laughs> yeah. um, we know that there's no really substantial cover anywhere nearby anyway. So I'd, I'd say we'd probably use the road um, as, as quickly as possible to get as, as far away from these people as we possibly can. And then obviously the further away from them we are, if we need to, we can go off-road to find cover. Also assuming that we're, we're essentially racing um, Chinese whispers, it's not like there's a fast postal system by which they will send forth our descriptions. At least we don't think there is, so... I don't know, They definitely you know that they definitely have at least two horses... Uh, at their disposal, which used to be yours. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> you forgot about that, didn't you? Yep, totally did. <sighs> Whose responsibility is next? I guess it's mine, because now we know kind of what direction we're going in, I need to make sure that it's safe to head in that direction. So how are you going to manage that? I'm going to send Fuzz up into the air to uh, get a good view of the land and check behind us to make sure they're still not following us and see as far forward as he can. I mean, he can't see massively further in front of us because, I mean, he's still effect- he's still affected by the horizon and everything. He's just, you know, got more range. And I'm going to use his keen sensors, which gives me uh, advantage on uh, perception regarding sight, hearing and smell. So he's basically just going to be looking around, making sure everything's tickety-boo. Roll it. Okay, uh, rolling with advantage, and oh, thank God, because that was a three. <laughs> and oh, wow, um, a, a one. So <laughs> that was fucking terrible. Thankfully, I do get some bonuses on that, so that's a whopping six. Yeah, Fuss is really tired. He's been flying for a long time now, um, and he's only a little chap, and he's been pressed into service quite a lot, and sort of going up and scouting and seeing and whatever. And it's just not only is it that he's he's getting tired, is that you're you're going into the east. You know, you're he's going into the sun, and so he's getting a bit. A bit blinded by that, so he's he, uh, he's he's not on on form. 
Mm. Although he at least does have a full belly because he's full of spider leg. <laughs> so um, what that's going to mean for you is that you keep having to stop and let him rest. You'd, you'd like to just sort of walk and, and keep checking in with him, whatever, but you sort of stop and you rest. And you, then you get confused as well because, you know, his kind of like his sense of confusion and, and tiredness is kind of bleeding over to you. And you, you are starting to realise that you've been up since like midnight and it's really early. And you feel fuzzy headed. You haven't eaten. You haven't had anything to drink. Um, and you're getting quite grumpy. Foot sore. Why can't we just? Why can't we just just fucking bed down? They're not coming. You know, you're not coming after us. Surely, come on. Yeah, gimbal. <laughs> I'm in charge of rations, not in charge of when we camp. That's that is also the purview of the quartermaster and the scout, I believe. Um, and the navigator, maybe finding somewhere to to camp is is, is something you might be able to do. Um, so you know, don't think about like definite roles. It's just you have this general purview. This is what you're responsible for. Gimbal's figured stretch the rations as far as we can. We've got rations for three people for what four days, three days, uh, three days for four for three people. You've got rations for, but you have four people. Cool. So I mean, if we go for half rations, that'll probably do us for at least. Four days, four, five, possibly five days for, for four people. Plus, along this distance, there's always the chance that we can catch a rabbit or something else to, you know, we can forage, possibly find food on the way. Half rations should be enough. Worst case scenario, we might have to go a day or two without any food. But Cross country hiking, mm-hmm. no food. Yeah. But the that's, summer. This is why we're mostly taking the road at the moment. Yeah, mostly taking the road. Yep, fair enough. Okay, so uh, that's the solution. So um, you make a roll. Do you want Carrothead to be helping you? Nah, I'll give it a go on its own. Eleven. Eleven. Um, again, not too bad. So you, you, you're you sort of looking for uh, animals to trap along the way, and you do see you know, a couple of like rabbit runs or badger runs or something, you know, little goat trails and things. Um, and as, as you go through, you do see you know, that there are goats in fields, and uh, but you know these are things that you'd have to chase down. and uh, So... While you want to keep on the road, you you don't really want to stop and um, you know do any serious hunting and trapping because that's that would be very time consuming. But you're not seeing many things like edibles along the way. Where there are crops growing in fields, it's cereals, um, and you might want to stop and, and take some off. But it's not something you just munch along the way. You know, not like a nice little nice turn field of berries or something. Yeah, so there's there's not much going on there. The berries that that you do find are um, quite bitter, probably not not good for eating. You've you've consigned yourself to half rations. Where the hell is Frost on the hillside when you need him? I bet he'd know of all the mushrooms we could eat in the world. He's off chasing wood angels. I know. Uh. I know exactly where Frost on the hillside is. <laughs> it's it's now dragging on for mid morning. Um, you've you've all been harrowed, and uh, maybe you're all just a bit too tired. And it's it's sort of it's starting to starting to wear on you. I mean, you were tired and stressed and the adrenaline left you from the fight and you were left with just exhaustion and you're sort of trudging through um through the mid-morning and now gimbal said uh no can't find anything we'll have to go on half rations and it's and, and it's just like your morale has taken a big hit here let me know how you're going to go on and so the next roll is going to take you through the next two days worth of travel all right i was going to try and find somewhere to kip <laughs> <laughs> it might that might be how it starts. You can you can describe something. It doesn't have to be one action. It could be two days worth of actions. It could be if you roll well, you found some nice places to rest, you know, decent places. I will tell you that um in the landscape that you're in, 
It's pretty unchanging. It is quite boring. This is probably why this place kicks out so many pirates, if they all want to leave. It's, it's, you're heading downhill, which is a, a good thing anyway. Uh, so it's generally downhill. Not sharply, but it's, the trend is downhill. There's still lots of these field boundaries and such, but they're getting fewer and further between, and things are starting to become less arable and more livestock. Goats, the occasional cows, things like that. And there are little shepherd's huts dotted around um, you know, up on the hills, and they're pretty far away from the road, so you'd have to leave and you know, go, up a, go up a hillside or something. Um, but you do see them dotted around. Uh, Jace, you know full well that you passed a couple of villages on your way this way. Jason's sort of looking at the, the the way the terrain moves and everything else, and and, and just using his eight sort of stealthiness, just going to try and pick places where we can rest soundly, where we won't be visible from the road, where we're unlikely to be seen by herders and you know sheep farmers and whatnot, so we can get some solid rest in because we're all knackered. Yeah, is you want to use stealth, don't you? You want to use stealth. I want to use stealth. Do you know what? <sighs> Okay, half of stealth is moving stealthily. The other half is actually knowing when to move and where to find cover and where to... Do you want to use Karahad in this? Sure. How? Because the rest of us suck What is Karahad? Karahad is a walking wall covered in steel. And tactical genius. And tactical genius. Well, he would know the terrain as well. He would also be able to scout the terrain and know where would be sort of almost good ambush locations and where would be defensible, where good, good places to rest would be. Um, so I want you to roll me a flat d20 first for Karahad. 19! So you may roll with advantage on your stealth check. So basically Karahad's amazing rolling even transfers onto people who roll for him. Tom's just got this sort of aura that hangs around the die. 11 and 7, so that'll be 11 plus 16. 16, yeah, that is that is a good result. That's... Um, you know, go, going beyond what normal people can generally do. So, between the two of you... It's all down to be good for something. Uh, between, between the two of you, you manage to sort of rustle up some places, and um, you travel the first day. Uh, so, you're sort of you know, pushing people through. Uh, maybe sort of you find somewhere where you can stop and, and rest for a, an hour or so before you know, moving on during the day. Uh, you know, we can actually stop and have your, your meagre lunch, your half rations and carry on and you find somewhere that not only can you stop and not be seen and see the road and have your, have your back to a safe place as it were but also where if you were to have a small campfire say um, you've got like a small canopy of trees for example and it would uh, the wind is going where the wind sort of like blows through and it diffuses wind is yeah, what you want it, so it, 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 you know, you've got this wind blowing through some trees, it diffuses around you and your campfire is, like, there's, there's almost no smoke anyway, because it's all pretty dry stuff, but it's sort of whipped away at source and it doesn't travel up. Okay, I got a fires. Next. Gimbal's going to do what he can to try and stretch the rations as far as possible. So he's gonna... Don't you have a crossbow, dude? No, I have a, I have a short bow. I, I have a crossbow. We're, we're wandering through territory with livestock. Shoot something. You have a crossbow. Do I? Yeah, you picked it up off the, um, the oh. mook you killed the other day. Oh, yeah. Stick it on your character sheet or you're going to lose it. <laughs> I have an absolute uh, shed load of bolts as well, so if you need some, I can probably lend you some. But uh, they're bolts for a light crossbow. I don't know what kind you've got. Heavy. The same bolts. Sorry. Oh, okay, cool. What, what's happening now? If we've both got crossbows and you've got a bow, I think if all three of us shoot at one target, 
one of us might wing it. <laughs> well, Possibly. Well, think, think, think bigger. So this is like the activity of uh, what is now a day, day and a half. Okay, so I'd say I'd suggest a goat because uh, although a goat can butt you, um, it's less likely to kill me than a cow would be if it ran over me. Although I stand to lose the most, we, we stand to gain. So I'd suggest a goat, but we also then want to make sure that we're not too close to any establishments where the farmer may come out and get us for stealing his livestock. Okay, so how, how are you going to skill that? Um, Cow has already been used, so you can't use him. Yeah. Standard rules, again, you can't roll the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, done. I'm thinking perception to see, basically, go furthest from establishment. Okay. Yeah. 16. You spot a place where there's um, a herd of goats. You just see them as they crest over the hill and go on the other side. And what really catches your eye is that there's a, a goat herd's shed sort of up on the, the crest, but there's a tree growing outside of it, and you reckon no one has used that for a while. Or, may, or at least they haven't used it this season, because that would get repaired. So you reckon there's no one there. So you scamper up. Um, you're know, taking, uh, taking Rue with you and Sort of leading the way, you manage to, to bring down a goat before the rest of the, the herd. We're not going to stop. Curry time. <laughs> Actually, that's totally doable. In my pouch where I keep all my uh, spell components, I, there's various herbs and stuff, so we could possibly do a curry. Are they psychoactive herbs, if any chance? <laughs> the um, components pouch has always confused me a little bit, because it basically reads as, it's got whatever the hell you need for whatever spell you need to make, ever. And it's just, so, so long as you've got that pouch, you can basically cast any spell. How, so how theory... a component pouch works in my head, in my yeah. head can, is you pull a thing out, you tell me what it is. From that point on, that's what is in it. So if you if you do a spell, like if you're doing a minor illusion, you need some fleece, right? Yeah. So if you pull some fleece out of that component pouch, your component pouch has a certain amount of fleece in it. If I think you're casting that spell loads of, loads of times, I'm going to want you to replace that. Okay. So, um, so yeah, you managed to get some goats, and uh, between you and Rue, you kind of make amends for having put people on half rations because you, it's a, it's a, it's a good, um, it's a good cook up with um, the hidden fire that you've got. You can actually do a proper cook. You, know, you, you manage to sort of roast some goat and, and herb it up and whatever. It's not really a stew because uh, you've got no, no sort of cook pots, but you, um, you do manage to make a really nice tasting thing. It's, it's, it's the best goat you've ever had, and. Um, your, your bellies are full, but you've also got enough, like, uh, and enough presence of mind to sort of make jerky as well. So you, you can go you can go to full rations again, essentially. While we're sitting around the campfire, I, just, I sort of take out this heavy crossbow that I've now remembered I have, even though it weighs a ton and it's huge. <laughs> and just, just sort of handling it. You can almost see fiddling with it and dropping it just because I, I don't know how to use this thing. Like, I've got absolutely no idea how to use this thing. Is anyone else going to be better with one of these huge things. I mean, a normal crossbow I can use. Who can use a little normal crossbow? A kid can use a crossbow. But this is this is wrong. If you use it without proficiency for a good amount of time or start getting successes with it, you will gain proficiency. That's my house rule. Because you can learn to do things. You don't have to level up and gain proficiencies. Because right. in D&D, it's very hard to gain proficiency. It really is. But if you, if you do it a lot, then yeah, you'll get it. If you use one skill over and over and over again, I'll let you become specialized. Fine. Okay. Somebody tells me how much it's worth, and then I just say, okay, I'm keeping it. <laughs> it's actually worth quite a lot. So, Rue, um, yes. as, as the lookout, what are you doing while this is going on? So you did, you did go and help um, Gimbal sort of crest this, this ridge and um, take out a goat, so you're feeling like a true hunter. <laughs> what am I going to do? I have read some books about setting up uh, tripwires 
and stuff. So I, I'm going to try my hand at setting up a few simple snares that won't necessarily kind of like, it's not going to be like the trope of someone getting caught up with it and being hung upside down from a tree, but it might be kind of like make enough noise to give us some warning or something. So, uh, you know, if, if, if people are going to cross a line, okay, fine. So I'm kind of guessing that would be survival. Do you know, um, I, I think it would be. It's, it's basically the same as setting a snare. So yeah, it would be it would be survival. Okay. And that is... Uh, five. Okay, that's a five. That's a five. So yeah, perhaps I, I've read about them, but never actually tried making them before. <laughs> you say, okay, I'm just going to go and set some uh, snares and traps and if... So we'll be secure if any any of these uh, buggers comes and, and tries to find us while we're camping. And you think you've done an absolutely crack up job when you come back, you know, sort of beaming with uh, with confidence, and everyone trusts you. And it's obvious that you know it goes on for another day, and you, your bellies are full. You walk in the road, and you feel you know feel pretty good about this sort of stuff. Except halfway through the third day, you hear horses behind you. Get off the road. So this is this is another round. So you are you have pursuit upon you. Uh, yeah, I think get off the road. All, all Lord of the Rings piss taking out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I'll get off the road. Yeah, this is still part of the skill challenge. So this is going to be uh, we'll, we'll say this. You've you've got to go half a day, lose these guys, and go half a day without being followed. Uh, in that case, we're going to head off uh, head off the road again. Uh, what time of day is it? Uh, it's about midday. About midday. I'm going to assume that I've been checking the stars every night. I've got a better idea of where we are. I've recalled from my mem- my my rum-soaked memory that I've ported there once, and remembering where that is on the star map, and gonna try and navigate. And I roll an eighteen. Oh, lovely! Five twenty-three. So the last night you were, you know had you had a full belly, you you had some rest, and you, you weren't so rushed. So you're looking up, and things are making more sense. And you reckon that if you cut across as the crow flies, you could cut directly east, or maybe east by northeast off the road in a straight line and you would get to your lo- the, the place you want to get to in maybe half a day to a day less depending on the time you're making it's all about the math you gotta get the math right it took me a minute i, I know so like, nothing great thing so like, especially when i'm sober we need to get off the road and you go right that way and you, you point and you know it's in that direction so with an 18 you're going to lead people uh off you lead people off the road. 23, oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, you lead people off the road. You tell me uh, in what way your, your excellent navigation skills help in that half day. Despite thickets, despite forests, despite everything else, just by dead reckoning and the location of the sun and the time of day, I can keep dead on to the course that I set, to the to the heading that I set uh, from the stars the night before. Excellent. Next. Well, we've got jerky. Eat as we go. Yeah, so you don't have to stop. Don't, don't have to make stop, fire. So, yeah. so uh, roll it. Would it come under acrobatics or athletics? Athletics. You could shivvy us on. You could help us with our burdens when we stumble. Oh, that's the thing. I I've got my head looking straight I could, up. I could keep play from tripping I could over play, shit. I could be playing as a marching song. Left foot, right foot. <laughs> Left foot, right foot. <laughs> soldier, soldier, don't look down. <laughs> yeah, Last um, from the 90s. Go with athletics. Thank you. 14. Couple with the fact that you, you don't have to stop, but people do start flagging or whatever. But yeah, you sort of um, you don't think you can go for the harp and and, and the, the flute or whatever, but because uh, you'd give away your position. Mm. But uh, yeah, you certainly do. You know, sort of muster a few ditties um, and some some shanties come out and, and all that stuff. And so you're just keeping a pace. And so marching songs, absolutely. Do do some marching songs. So keeping everyone going. Bye, <laughs> 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 
Shake it off, shake it off. <laughs> I do sexy for <laughs> 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 So, just as uh, Gimbal gets through the last chorus of the birdie song, Rue, what are you doing? I'm trying to use deception, because I thought, although I utterly failed at it last time when we were trying to uh, escape from those people, I, it's come to me as quite a good idea that cover our tracks as we go is a good thing, or uh, try and do things to make them think we've gone off in different directions in case we are being tracked. So yeah, so I'm going to use deception to mask our trail. Uh, deception to mask the trail. Oh, yep. do you know what? Fine, otherwise we'll just be three people rolling survival. Yeah, I know that's the problem with these. It's like survival, survival, survival. We're now we're now at the the stage where our audience is big enough where I'll get fanboys correcting me. So <laughs> that's why, damn you, fuck you, fanboy. You probably live in Wyoming. Uh, <laughs> roll it for me. That's why we get our okay. first listeners. And do you want to use? <laughs> do you want to use Karahad? Uh, no, I'm not going to use Karahad because that's a twenty-one. <laughs> twenty-one. Okay. I don't think we need Karahad. So useless lump. <laughs> You you managed to um, do to do some really good work here, and um, some very strange things start happening. So you start sort of by getting a, a big sweeping brush type thing um, to start, like like a big branch. Yeah, uh, yeah. That you can use as a sweeping brush, dusting our tracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you you start sort of waving it around a bit, um, and just out the corner of your eye, you see a little a little rustle of green, which is odd because everything around here is sort of beige and dry and brown and. Um, a, a bit sort of sun-baked and you turn your head and this oak leaf whizzes past your head and you're like, okay, I haven't seen an oak for weeks, but fine. Um, and it sort of like does a little circle in front of your face sort of in, in an eddy of the, the wind and then blows away off to where you can't see it. And you feel energised. So when you're moving through the woods and trying to sort of get the leaves and the detritus and stuff sort of moving back... You, you make a motion with this makeshift brush of yours, but you find that things are moving outside the range of it as well. There are things like twigs that sort of like, you know, put themselves back together, you know, or just enough or rest in just the right way. Or you knock something, it looks like you haven't stepped on that branch or um, uh-huh. moved that brush aside or the odd little scrap of clothing that might have come off, you know, the, the little threads and things end up just dropping to the floor. And you feel pretty eerie about that. Well, how do, how do you feel about that? I think I'm waving my wood around and fantastic things are happening, so it's all gravy. <laughs> and we're back down in the gutter. <laughs> yeah. I try for one minute to make a magical moment. <laughs> nope, never works. You should know this. <laughs> um, you haven't been here before, but uh, oak leaves have been a thing when he's been doing his, his stuff. Right. Do you remember the oak leaves? I do remember the oak leaves, actually, but I kind of as I had always interpreted it as them having some kind of magical armour on. So uh, this comes as a bit of a surprise to me that I'm the one doing this. He uh, hit the shadow of the black when they were having a big fight uh, with an eldritch blast and um, oak leaves erupted from it. Mm. Uh, yeah, I thought that was some kind of like weird kind of magical armour. Very druidy. That was protecting him. Warlock. I wonder why. Mm. Multi-classed the bastard. No, nope. we, we don't know. He doesn't know. Thing is, he doesn't know who his patron is. Oh. Your tracks are well and truly erased, and with those fantastic rolls, you make it free away. Um, and not only are you free from pursuit, but you're heading in the right direction overland on a, on a dead straight track that's going to save you like a day's travel. It is now um, the end of the third day. You have evaded capture, uh, and you are 
in in the wild you are um you've actually moved beyond the areas of uh, cultivated fields which seem to line the road up to the first ridge or maybe two actually we'll we'll base this on what you do so you create the terrain by your roles okay you, you create the situation and we can have one more role and whether it's a good ba- a good set of roles or a bad set of roles determines how you enter this town okay so at the end of these roles you will be in this town on the coast which you know the name of you still have fucking asked do we know the name of it why do we need to I think he's mentioned it tonight <laughs> no no that was the one we just left the one you just come from the one we just left shit well I know the name of this town I haven't been here before but I would know coastal towns it is and it's called Varensdorf because it's coastal port I will be known and where I am known my reputation goes before me mm-hmm. and uh, I can get away with shit uh, you sure that's a good idea we also what happened to Captain Jack Sparrow I was going to say, Captain Jack Sparrow guy. There is no Jack Sparrow in this. You mean I took inspiration from my character from a major motion picture? I'll tell you what, Gimbal, there was a Jack Sparrow. He was uh, um, a legendary adventurer in the was There was no Jack Sparrow. Who is it? It was Varkit. Varkit. Over these days where we've been walking and everything, have we had kind of like rest periods, like enough to gain back spells and stuff? You have over the last couple of days. Oh yeah, we've at least had... A couple of we've, been, we've been we've been moving all day every day, so we've literally stopped, eaten, slept. Yeah, you have reset every. You've got every all your resources. Excellent. Okay. Cool. Gimbal's had no time to do any of his tinkering and stuff like that. Well, if you want, you can whittle something on the way. So, how are we gonna how are we gonna approach this? So, we're gonna get to the town and be in the town. So, it's like your your first meeting in the town is is part of the skill challenge. Okay. So, it's like how you get in there. All right. So, we're not gonna stop the skill challenge at the border of the town. It is up to you to finish up where you're going because the, the point is to get there and get this boat or to, to figure this out okay so who's doing what you, you all should just follow me I'm, I'm well known in all these towns everyone's terrified of the great legends of Jace Warfinder you'll be my new crew we'll steal a ship we'll kill some things we'll ransack rampage ram it'll be fun oh and drinking mustn't forget the drinking <laughs> and who wants to make the first roll Gimbal will. Nobody going along with my plan? Everyone ignores me. Why are you ignoring me? I'm the great Jace Warbender. Let me finish. <laughs> yeah. Gimbal. Tiny, tiny little uh, like, nose who just like walks up to you, puts one finger on your lips. And then perception. I'm going to roll perception. 11. And Gimbal's just going to say to Jace, so, yesterday wasn't it Warfinder? Now you're Warbender. I can never be asked to remember these things. This is what my secretary was for before I killed her. <laughs> no, I didn't kill her. My crew killed her. Why the crew killed her? Oh yeah, when they marooned me. Bastards. And you want us to be your next crew. And Gibble's just going to turn on his heel and carry on marching in the same direction we were just following. Okay, so how, how is your, your, your role doing in this? So, so what, what is it you are actually doing? Effectively trying to figure out if he actually knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so this this is more interpersonal. So this is this isn't going to be um, uh, a part of the skill challenge because you're just trying to get a, a read on someone in your party. Okay, okay. So insight then, whatever. Seventeen. Seventeen. You get to ask two questions. The set of three questions with insight yeah, yeah. is: Is he hiding anything? Is he lying? Uh, Why is he feeling? Yeah, what what are they feeling? But if you roll a twenty, you get to know if they're lying. Mm-hmm. Um, so which of the two questions would you like? I'm gonna go with what is he feeling. And you must answer truthfully. Boundless 
if unfounded confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Any other question? Is he hiding something? Uh, On this, because that's a really tricky thing, do you want to roll the deception? Do you want to? Not really, I'm always hiding something. (laughs) Most of all, I seem to be... You're a pirate, a general state of being. (laughs) The one thing I am hiding, do seem to be hiding beneath the facade, is actual competence. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you've got a really good read on this guy, so you you sort of go, right, fair enough, and then trek off, and um, what role are you going to make to to get closer in in your capacity as quartermaster? I'm going to go with medicine, and I'm basically going to use it to see if I can tell if any any member of the team is um, in obviously dire straits, like flagging, unable, likely to be unable to make it any further. What do you get? Oh, that one. That one. That one. Oh, someone definitely has the shits, but it's you. <laughs> <laughs> there was that thing that that Rue looked at and went, "Is that you know?" I know, I know, I know. Like, like I know, I know, we're roasting the fuck out of this, but. Is it supposed to scorch like that? And is that yellow stuff coming out? Gimbal, is that healthy? And Gimbal, you just had that. Gimbal's always been used to eating whatever's put in front of him, so Gimbal will have just grilled it a little bit and scarfed it down quick. Not even going to chew, he's just going to swallow. Poor understanding of anatomy. There was this sort of like, like like a hard lump that he just bit into and there seemed like a bit of goo in there. Um, yeah. And he, he, just, he didn't want to think about it, just swallowed quick. Gimbal had a prairie oyster. Yeah. Actually, no. <laughs> you just figured out what it was. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with prairie oysters. It's not that uh, it's poisonous right out of that. It's just you suddenly remember the epiphany came back to you and you realised what you've just eaten. Yeah. Well, not just eaten. I ate a few hours ago. Mm. He's a, he's now going to get sort of stop in his tracks, look a little bit um, <clears throat> what what's the word I'm think, trying to think of? A bit green, green, uncomfortable, Bilious. and just dash off to the nearest bush. Starts starts thinking you might be pregnant. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Gimbal's run off to this bush, struggling with his pants as he goes. All all, all you hear from behind his bush is just, oh god, why? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, various noises along the lines of <laughs> I can't be a mummy. <laughs> and, um, uh, so, so you're 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 going to. Uh, by the time you get into this town, you're uh, you're still feeling uh, a bit sick. Rue, what are you doing? I'm going to use a history check, and I'm going to use the fact that I'm learned in uh, magical history and folklore. You still have tra- another one area of learning that you could have uh, gone to, which in which you will get your advantage. Do you want to spend that and be that geography? Um, n- no, if only for the simple fact that I should have totally have been using that for about the last, like, week's worth of game. <laughs> in, 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 in game time, n- suddenly turning around and going, oh yeah, by the way, uh, would make me feel very stupid. I know so about no, all of the world except for this bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to save that. But no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my knowledge and history of folklore and stuff to recall... Everything I can think of about traditions and superstitions based around seafaring and stuff, because obviously, the, you know, these guys are going to be fishermen and stuff like that. And it'll just, I think it'll come in handy, help us blend with the uh, the crowd a bit more. You know full well that seafaring folk around here are superstitious as fuck, okay? Mm. But I want you to roll and see what comes up. Okay, and because I'm using that uh, folklore uh, learned thing, I roll with advantage, yeah? Uh-huh. Okay. No, fucking hell, dice. Um, that was four. <laughs> Fuck off. And that was six. <laughs> um, yeah, you reckon... my eight with my uh, plus two history. It's not that you don't know anything. You know wrong things. <laughs> <laughs> so you you tell me what what weird kind of 
superstitions and, and rituals do these guys have? What, what I'm going to say is, is all the books I was reading uh, and unknown to me were for the different coast because like different areas have their own kind of like superstitions and ideas and stuff. So it was all just completely wrong. So every, everything's kind of wrong but not wrong. So when I'm talking about mermaids and describing them, it's just, yeah, they've got mermaids, but they're, it's just not how I'm describing them. I'm like describing them with like tentacle bottoms and they've got like, no, mermaids have got fish bottoms and um, st- stuff like that. Just the, the basic concepts are all there. It's just, I've got the details completely wrong. So uh, when we come into the town and we start interacting with people, um, your challenge uh, is to completely fuck up like a ritual greeting or something that, that seems like 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 someone who's um, grown up in rural Poland who comes to London and starts trying to do Cockney rhyming slang. So that yeah. you know that kind of uh, fish out of water sort of thing. Yeah. So that uh, uh, that's the ba- the basis of your role as well. Just let me know when I need to do that because I've got an idea in my head for that. And as the last role, we're going to have Jason. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to avoid these two idiots. He stinks to high heaven. The the warlock is doing strange secret handshake type things up to everyone he goes to expecting them to respond he looks like a little dwarf looks like a tree trunk who just walked in out of the bush i'm just going to talk around to ask ask the local fishermen um see if any ships that i know have been in port have a few drinks blend in like a sailor okay so the first guy you walk up to is sort of mending nets outside his house and um in fact make make a roll and we'll see we'll see how receptive he is what you forgot in all of this is thinking, yeah, I know the locals, you know, fuck these rubes or whatever. Um, what you've forgotten is that this cult is everywhere. Okay. So every single place. But you've forgotten that. You've sort of like, in, in the, the initial weirdness, you kind of like chalked, you just hand waved it. Um, and you're preoccupied with your uh, interactions with the cult when you got to, to Middle Boss, which were very much more in your face. And, it was like, and so you haven't quite put it together that they are just everywhere. So you go up to this guy, trying to sort of make your bona fides, uh, and this sort of man sort of looks up with a sort of beatific smile on his face and goes, Hello, brother. I'm about to have service to you today. What the fuck was that? <laughs> it's a slightly different, different regional it was accent. different. You've, you've, you've walked for three days. You walked from three days from here. You were flying somewhere. <laughs> I mean, one thing is that's like constipated South African. Yes. There we go. <laughs> No, it's to try and recreate constipated South African for everyone we talk to in this village. <laughs> Maybe just this guy, I don't know. <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh, fuck. Yeah, completely lose my cool based on that role. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you sort of react surprised and he comes up to you and, and he, he sort of gives you these little phrases and it freaks you out. So um, you, your consequence is that you're going to be absolutely freaked out here. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I, I can do that too. Uh, the blood chill up on the way. There you go. I, I'm just walking up to everyone I see saying, uh, with open arms, I call upon the Sea Father to put his blessing upon you and go in to hug them. Every single person I come across, because as far as I'm concerned, that's how you greet sea folk. Every single one of them lets you. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't hug you back. <laughs> and you, you very clearly sort of singled yourselves out as, as uh, outsiders in this town. What do you want to do? Make our way down to the docks. Yeah, let's head to that boat as quickly as possible. Yes, gentlemen, I think we've made an impression. Now we can move on. We're not going to move that quickly with Rue trying to hug everybody. <laughs> you manage to sort of bumble uh, your way through the docks and 
there's an awful lot of people, but you reckon that everyone in town now knows where you are. Rue, you think you're doing really well because everyone's sort of welcoming you with open arms, you know, and go around bumping fists with everyone and, oh, you know, blessings of the sea, brother, and all that. Okay. So you're blissfully unaware. I would like the other two to make perception rolls, please. With disadvantage. Sorry, Gimbal's a bit concerned with his stomach at the moment. Eight. Jace, you feel a little sort of out of sorts. Something's not quite right, but mm, nah, it's probably nothing. Where's all the drinking? Where are all the whores? What's going on with this town? You you sort of um, find your way through to a dock area. You start going down and down and down and down and down. And you eventually sort of find that you this, this town is sort of built on this switchback path as it feeds down this very steep slope and eventually it becomes almost vertical like you're, you're, you're going down this and in some areas there are steps leading down now so you're sort of going down these steps that have been cut in and in a lot of places it's just a ramp for example because it's, it's very gravelly pumicey sort of stone which has all been cut into as you go down and you pass an area which is this like band of black at a certain area and beneath that um, it sort of gets a bit more solid stone so there's the actual proper steps there it's sort of winding your way down. It's, a, it's an awfully long way, but you, you, you end up getting to these, these docks, which are built right up against the, this, this cliff that the, the town is on. So there's, there are the docks, and there is the town. And the town is like a strip along the road as it goes down to this place. So there's not much going on here, and the people who are there seem to have business. You see, sitting nonchalantly at the docks, uh, this fella picking his nails with a knife. He sort of looks up. Ah, I've been expecting you. Take your time. So looking down at his, his nails. Did I said you he'd be here be two days ago? But set off. And he just sort of looks over at his craft, expecting you to, to get on. Well, I'm sorry, we got a little bit delayed by some crazy cultists as I walk by on his boat. And he looks up and goes, Said you'd be dinner. Ah, usually they tell me I, they think I'd be taller, but no. Rakish is what I like to think of myself as. He beckons you onto his boat. It's a single-masted, two-sailed sloop, and you set sail. I want to try something in that when I walk onto the boat, I want to um, greet him, but I want to greet him in Draconic. Can you speak Draconic? I can indeed. Okay. Um, what do you want to say in Draconic? With open arms, I call upon the sea father. <laughs> <laughs> but in, uh, in Draconic, because, you know, it's been working so far, so why not? So you've never spoken Draconic before, and this to you uh, is something you picked up through your study of uh, old folklore and legends and things and, I and magic. Think, I think this is... No, I think I actually got this when I got Fuzz, because oh, okay. uh, he speaks common and Draconic, and as as such, it kind of fed into me because he's an extension of myself I see I see yeah so uh, you, you say this in it and you're thinking oh right dragon cult right let's do this mm-hmm. it's the first time you've actually spoken this out loud because it's all psychic with fuss so um, yeah. I want you to make me an intelligence roll please because uh, I've been rolling so well so far um... oh fuck you dice um... <laughs> four uh, you, you start saying that sort of thing in, in Draconic, but it ends up being kind of Ithway, arms A, pen away. <laughs> and 
this guy just rapidly looks up and down and, uh, and just says, and walks onto his boat. So you get on this boat, and um, without any ceremony whatsoever, this guy just instructs his crew. It's a small crew, there's about half a dozen of them, and they set sail immediately. Jace, you, you would you'd either, either stick close to the coast or you would let the tide take you out. This guy seems to be tacking out into into the, the, the huge bay of Kotev, trying to put as much distance between himself and the, the land as possible, and ends up turning north-ish. And you're making good time. You can't see any land to the north or to the uh, the east, uh, to the south, apart from this cliff that's extending. So you've got this huge grey cliff above you. Absolutely huge grey cliff. About halfway down, there is uh, a very striking band of black. Absolutely jet black. Very thin. And beneath that is white. Blinding almost when the light catches it. And this extends just as far as you can see to the horizon. What would you like to do on this boat? I would like to find a campfire, because we need to have a heart-to-heart with uh, Jace. And you can't do these things without a a campfire, apparently. (laughs) Yes, let's have a fire on a small boat. It's made out of wood and made waterproof with even more flammable things. Well, they generally have a brazier. Rue tries to sort of like gather a few bits of uh, detritus around and uh, is at the bow of the boat, sort of trying to click a little firelighter above it. And, <laughs> um, let's get this going. And um, the, the first mate of the ship just sort of walks up to, doesn't say a word, and very firmly, very slowly takes the firelighter away from you and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> remove it from your inventory. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to get it back, remove it from your inventory. Fair enough. Uh, as, as the sort of, as the day wears on, um, and it's it, it is summer, so the, you know the the light is going to last a very long time. The captain talks to one of his crew, comes down from um, fixing a a yard from the top of the mast. They have a, a, a hushed conversation, and he comes to you uh, all and says, "Would you have any idea why we're being followed?" Well, I did mention those crazy cultists, didn't I? <laughs> What's up? Do you mean the family? Well, not so much crazy as, as very <laughs> devoted and, and honourable and lovely and wonderful. Uh, yeah, but we, we, we had a little bit of a misunderstanding with... Uh, was, it, was it the wife? Was she the wife? Mm-hmm. So what don't I know? This is my boat. You will tell me everything and put my butt in danger. Before we do that, I mean, how do you feel about the family? I mean, are you all kind of, you know, good and tight with them? Agent, isn't this guy an agent of the blue? We all know this. I just forget Maybe. it because I have a big mouth intentionally. Yeah. Are, are you are you actually saying that in character? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of directly asking him, kind of like what his affiliation is towards the family. He starts to sort of uh, bristle at you, and he, and, he, and he says, "They're my family. We will inherit the world. They are my brothers and sisters. Every man here is my brother." How 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 strong is the crew? I mean, as in how many men? Half a dozen, six. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you murder hobo this fucking crew, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, but dear God, is it, if there's only one sailor among you, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I'm weighing up in my mind right now. Just kind of weighing the options. Okay. Uh, what are the rest of you do? 
well, it's happening. You're in conversation this morning. How, how much have they told me about why we were meeting this guy? That's kind of why I was getting the campfire going to have that conversation. You, you can just say that you know this this is a bit of an info dump. You know, you were traveling with this guy for a few days. Okay, then if we're so we're a couple of days into this journey before he's que- questioned us about the people following us, or you know, over the course of. I, I think it'd be very unusual if you didn't talk about the people who are following you and why um, over the course of four days travel and trying to kill us. Yeah. Let's not forget that important. They're trying to kill me. I don't like being killed. I like my skin intact. So we'll say that you've you've uh, pretty well figured out. You know, he's you know, you've told him uh, what the plan is. Yeah, and I, I'm going to say we did it over me doing a minor illusion of a campfire because fuck them. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how to put this, but shall we just say that um, we are our acquaintances with the Shadow of the Blue, and we may have taken his part in something of a family squabble with the Shadow of the White. She, she's fairly unhappy with us right now. I, I'm going to try something here, which I've not done before, which is I can telepathically communicate with Fuss, and we can have like a proper dialogue, but with other creatures, the only way you can actually communicate with them is through simple ideas, emotions, and like images. Mm-hmm. I want to try and convey to him the idea that I then want him to pass on to the other guys, which is, do we kind of like lie to these guys or do we tell them the truth? And then try and get, it's just so we can all be like on the same page as to whether where we're going with this. You're trying to communicate telepathically so, with Fuzz. So, so I can I can communicate with Fuzz quite well, in which we can pretty much have a conversation with each other. Yeah. But when he's communicate uh, when he's communicating with other people, because he can do apparently, he's got limited telepathy. He can only convey simple ideas, emotions, and images. You make me an intelligence roll, please, to see how clear you can get this to Fuzz. And then... Okay. And that it. Oh, God, right. Okay. Uh, Change your fucking dice. <laughs> Let me guess. Fuck the dice. Um, seven. Okay. Uh, from now on, things are crap will be called Wyoming. The dice are Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> so, first understands what it is you want him to do, but doesn't necessarily really understand how he's going to get this across because he also hasn't touched the minds of these people before. So, that rapport isn't there. Um, I want the other two to start making... Um, make me a... Make me a constitution check, please. Six. Fifteen. Jace, you start getting some, some images in your mind and whatever, and you, you start being a bit um, discombobulated about it, but then you sort of look over and you sort of lock eyes with Rue and there's fuss there, and suddenly you realise, oh, oh, right, okay, so you get this image of yourself looking back at yourself, and, and you get it, and you're like, that magical little freak has somehow <laughs> used the smaller freak to get in my head and wants to sort of ask me a, a question. Okay, so you you understand that there's communication that wants to happen at this moment and it's not really upsetting too much. This is freaking you out, Gimbal. This is, like, what the hell? This random thought's going in your head. Are you going insane? What's going on? Are you, are you getting seasick? Is it, you know, is was it those bollocks? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are, am I pregnant? You, you don't... <laughs> you don't know. It's, it's, it's a different world. Magic exists here. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you, you might happen. be able to get pregnant by eating uh, goat testicles. Who knows? Yeah, you, you feel pretty at sea in both senses of the word right now. So you're going to be at disadvantage for the next couple of rolls. And as you're sort of sat just discussing the niceties of this guy and sort of trying to, you know, wiggle your eyebrows meaningfully at each other, um, he's getting more and more wary. Meanwhile, this guy who's talking to has scrambled back up the 
to the yard. There isn't really a crow's nest, but he's, he's up there, kind of looking at. So he just literally shouts down, and normally he'd scamper down, but he literally shouts down and, and says, They're catching up! They're catching up broadside! Broadside! He says, Away to port! Away to port! You sort of look over, and it's, it's, it's sort of enough time has passed with fucking campfire illusions and all sorts of stuff that this ship has managed to catch you up. It's a two masted pinnace, and it is cutting through the water like nobody's business. And it's just starting to to edge in it's not quite you know bow to stern but you, you know this is definitely coming towards you it took him a while to figure out it's coming after you and it's on your trajectory and he really sort of got in got you um to have a power when he knew this is coming for you okay this is not just a, a random ship uh, that's going in the same direction and then his eyes open wide and he's looking at gimbal and he looks at you and he grabs your shoulders and he turns you round and he pulls your bandana off and he unfurls your bandana. Jace, the captain, is now holding a pirate flag. Have <laughs> one in there. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons is owned by Wizards of the Coast. The song was Shards of Glass by Louis Barabbas and the Bedlam Six. Questions, comments, feedback, or Sultanate swag entries? Get them over to swordnutradio at gmail.com at swordnutradio at gmail.com or at swordnutradio on Twitter. Next up is feedback and bloopers. Thanks for listening. So little proof there was run on. I'll do. I was hoping for a sea battle, but that, that um, overland stuff took a bit longer than I thought. I was, it was entertaining enough that it took a while. So let's start with some feedback. So this is just going uh, back on Twitter. Interesting news for the Sword Not Swag competition, which is you make us laugh, cry, or hurl in any particular way. It could be anything, absolutely anything. It doesn't have to do with us. Just something creative. Send it to us. SwordNutRadio at gmail.com or SwordNutRadio at, no, at SwordNutRadio on Twitter. Anything you like. Pictures, text. Um, so far, the entries are a couple of photos, one of which has been photoshopped, a knock-knock joke. Um, however, they're all about to be blown out of the water by um, some fan fiction. Which, uh, Biddy, prepare yourself. Okay. <laughs> Brian oh, features heavily. Okay. <laughs> you remember Brian? Yes. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Brian was an octopus. Yeah. Oh, He's dear. familiar. He was he, he was a hand, he was a bit he was of a, a badass octopus. octopus. Yeah. He was like a fucking ninja Death Star <laughs> mobile. He was awesome. And drunk. Um, yeah. So, uh, the character is a player. Another <laughs> character was great. That's that's on the way. That that will be interesting. Oh, uh, and I, I've given a sort of honorary entry to um, Iban Ruth, who has uh, kindly sent me a because um, uh, I'd like to do my my intro in different languages because I just have the same thing over and over again. You guys get to play different characters, but and he sent me my opening line in Spanish so that I can learn how to do that, um, which is nice of him. And also, if you're listening round about now, this will probably be the time when I am playing on the How We Roll podcast as an actual player. I get to like do playery things and do indeed. And apparently, our play- our characters are going to have a drinking contest at some point, which will be amusing. He's still alive. I try, I try to kill them because I'm just guesting, but like one of them's still alive, and we yeah. didn't get to have a, a drinking contest. So, and my entire purpose is to stay alive, and I almost get killed all the time. <laughs> I, I had been waiting. I had been waiting right for ages to play this one joke because Aaron, who plays Lee, has a really sort of uh, sort of really bass, uh, well spoken voice, and he's you know very well, 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 well,
Yes, I will come to you, young grandpa grasshopper. Yeah, he doesn't put an accent on or anything like that. And so, from my head of like having seen a million bad kung fu films, is that his character Lee, the monk, who's very, very sort of you know martial artsy, um, sort of Eastern character, and sort of very mystical. He's actually speaking Mandarin or something like that. And what we hear on the podcast is his bad English dubbing. And so. <laughs> For ages, like the whole reason that I've sort of said, oh yeah, I'll guess and whatever is because eventually I want to play this one character who's, I don't care what he is, what they do, even if it's just like a, a guy in a shop who appears for four minutes and then goes and thankfully they let me play an entire character, which is the guy who doesn't understand him. <laughs> he has no idea, like, what? Hey, what now? And because everyone was watching bloody the Twitch stream at the time, it fell so unbelievably flat. Most of us noticed it. It's just like, how do you react to that? <laughs> Just repeat everything that he says. Yeah, it's, uh, I always find it um, interesting in role playing when you've got some conflict in the party, and if that has to be like something tense to play, well, that's not necessarily be fun. But if you can have genuine misunderstandings going on <laughs> inside the party, it's brilliant. You say, have you noticed how, how how often Owen and I almost get into PvP? <laughs> yes, and actually got into PvP, which is apparently banned in a lot of games. Uh, Owen plays um, <clears throat> the person that you're not, who Penny would like you to be when she turns up. Um, uh, of love flute. Yeah, I think that's why she hates you guys so much. It's because she turned up. She was looking for a particular known bard. She's found this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you mentioned it. Joe would also like to come onto our podcast purely to play uh, Dioc Brown, who is a magiantist. Sorry, a what? Magiantist. It's like science and magic, but magiants. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and, and a lot of functions of, of eight. Yes. <laughs> So, so wait a minute. Science and magic had a baby. Is 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 isn't that just like Scientology though? <laughs> oh please! If only Scientology made that much sense. Uh, no, it's 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 basically he's a wizard, but he he thinks it's science. He thinks that he he thinks that he puts these machines together and they work because you know they're machines. They don't. So whenever he leaves, stuff goes wrong. If he's not present with his machines and infusing them with magical power, they go wrong. And he never realizes this. He never figures out why when he gives some something That's, to someone it has a limited lifespan. That sounds like a really good basis for a film. Yeah, <laughs> it that really does. Um, but I'd, I'd like to have Joe on to, to play that character as well. I mean, even if it's like a one-shot where it's just based around that concept and we just do weird shit. You'll have a lot of fun trying to figure out how to mix things like this. Oh my god, it's perfect for Red Dwarf. <laughs> Who would it be from Red Dwarf? Red Dwarf? I don't know, but it was just like that landing in the Red Dwarf universe. Why the fuck not? <laughs> we prevaricated enough. Feedback. We have feedback. This is all off Twitter. So from Sabrina. Oh. Um, <laughs> so we have a, we have dog invading table because we we have things that could be confused for toys. Dographone. Um. And to know why he's not the centre of attention. Mm. So Sabrina has been going back through our, our back catalogue to listen again and um, figure out what she's going to um, do for the, the fan fiction. I'm so glad I wasn't here for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say your episodes hold up really well. Uh, they're just as good on the second or third listen. Oh. And then uh, a couple of like hours later, I said, I want to keep listening to Sonnet Radio, but I also want to read this awesome book uh, by Stephen King. Um <laughs> Yeah, the struggle is real, but uh, it's actually the Dark Tower she's reading. So go read the fucking Dark Tower. I don't miss yes, shit. Read them; they are good books. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and at this short. time, they're going to make a Dark Tower film series, and they've cast oh, what's his name? I- Idris Elba. 
as Roland. Who? Idris Elba. Who's that? He was Heimdall in Thor. Yes. And he'll be fucking amazing. He's a pretty boy. Or pretty uh, boy bad guy. No, uh, he was the guy in the big gold suit. Um, the, 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 the bridge guardian. Oh, him! Yeah. Luther. Luther. Yeah, if you ever watch Luther, you know, he's absolutely perfect for the role of, of Roland. Uh, he's perfect for many things. Yeah. Imagine, I'm very jealous. <laughs> imagine, uh, for those of you who haven't read The Dark Tower, it's uh, imagine the Wild West sort of man, man with no name. Yeah, post-apocalyptic. Uh, but it's it's the man with no name from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly and... Um, Fistful of Dollars, yeah. Fistful of Dollars more, and all the rest yeah. of them. They are, um, they are amazing books, with a little but, bit of magic in there as well. Yeah, but also mixed with a knight errant. It's 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 incredible, it's very mystical and, and science fiction-y. Cross-dimensional with um, like different areas of the... The entire world. Stephen King universe Yeah, uh, is, uh, it features in this thing in some way. Um, really, really good books. We, we did an episode on LARP, uh, myself and Biddy, uh, and we drew a blank... On um, disabled LARPers, you know, if you know, I can, you know, in a tabletop role playing game, I can cast a fireball. I can't do it in real life, obviously. Um, or you could turn up in, a, you know, with severe mobility issues and sort of, you know, not be able to move from the neck down, but you can still play a warrior in tabletop. But what about LARP? Is it just, well, tough titty, you can sit in your wheelchair and off you go to the pub kind of thing? Um, you know, you can be an NPC or, you know, you, you can't go off-road and do these things. I just put some feelers out, and uh, Rob Davies, uh, who is at LARP Book on Twitter, um, who's involved in running um, some various events in the States, I said, yes, we know some disabled LARPers. Whether they can take part in combat depends on the terrain and the type of disability, but that there are also some um, systems whereby they can do that, where they don't go into the woods and things. They are sort of, they're in dressed sets as it were or they're in urban environments or whatever and it, it can work mm. um, or they just simply say yeah this is an accessible event there are apparently some accessible events in America where they say this is accessible you're in the woods but it's going to be you know a flat enough area or a flat enough field or a car park or something that they'll dress really well that's cool that is good Oh, and as soon as we're on the subject matter the website that I kind of wanted to give everyone when we were discussing all this but just was playing out of my head, is actually www.larppages.co.uk and that's a really good uh, UK-based directory for all different um, groups and systems and uh, associated uh, businesses and stuff that sell all the various stuff for it. So it's just like a yellow pages of LARP in the UK. Cool. Um, there's also, I've, I've been reading um, Of Dice and Men, which is the, the story of, of D&D, thanks to a Christmas present from the lovely wife. See, that's also a thing you've got to learn to do, is always publicly thank the missus for anything. Um, they, they do talk about some LARP as well, where there are systems whereby you actually stop and declare what you're doing, if it's something that you physically are unable to do. For example, if you're going to cast a spell, rather than have to throw things, or whatever, and, and that be a physical limitation, you have a whistle and you blow it, and everyone stops and you, go, and you read a thing, that's, and you've got like a certain number of things you can read little scripts. Like you're reading a, a scroll and you say, I cast this upon this person and it has this effect and it does. And then you're back in the room. So there are ways of doing it, but it's like in tabletop, you have to stop and do the thing mechanically rather than doing it physically, um, which I think is actually is actually pretty good. It's a good little compromise. But if anyone else out there has um, got tales about LARP with you know access issues and uh, mobility issues, I, I would really love to hear it because being a martial artist as well, like... I have people talk to me about, I want to do HEMA, but I don't know about 
like you know, I, I, but I, you know, I'm in a wheelchair, for example. My answer to them is, well, you're built for menschuben, which is German collegiate fencing, where you're both strapped to a chair and you have about each other with sharp swords. We'll do it with blunts, but it's it's something I have, you know, the able-bodied guys do as well because it's really good practice and it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I did enjoy watching uh, the fencing in the Paralympics. Mm. That was quite entertaining. Mm. You see just how much you can get you can get done, and it's insane. Exactly, it's ridiculous. It's like because you're not not having to pay attention to the footwork either. Mm. I, I you can follow it. You can follow it a lot easier. Um, I, I just I personally find Paralympics in many ways a lot more impressive than the regular Olympics. I, I see Paralympic fencing as being a bit more technically. Um, mm. excellent than regular fencing because or say able body fencing because you can't do the fucking stupid things you have to rely on excellent technique rather yeah. than I'm just going to throw myself bodily at head height at this person Can yeah Let, let's move on to the next ones because we're, we're in late yeah um, <laughs> in response to uh, the inspector's stuff um, there's been a huge upsurge in people listening to the inspector's thing so everyone has heard Biddy give blowjobs to an entire ship <laughs> of pirates excellent good to know the hashtag booty in lieu of booty has been trending in the UK um, the uh, so there's quite a few people saying uh, you know, I'm glad I wasn't here <laughs> no so, you're not it was great yeah. I wasn't there I still got to listen to it and it was brilliant uh, yeah Biddy sucked off an entire pirate ship and also became the anchor of an airship while suffering from narcolepsy and, and, and it was a great example as to why you don't ever let your DM pick anything for you because he will he will say that you are the best at blowjobs and then you will be forced to use that somehow in the game just come up with better ideas dude that's, that's all I can do yeah and roll better dice numbers. You know, oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. not hard. Um, Connor at Cosmic Keyring said, uh, I may have to convince my group to play Inspectors now. And uh, it's Sid, Ghostbox, Ghost Crate, who's at The Ghostbox, said, I recommend everyone interested in actual play podcasts check out the upcoming Hour Roll podcast featuring Stornet Radio. Um, and also is pimping us out and retweeting us and all sorts of stuff. Thank you. Which is great because we haven't published anything for a month. So, <laughs> uh, but we're still getting listens as if we have. It's, it's great. Um, just off the back of that, people binging. Ark in Black at Ark in Black said, Swordnet Radio won me over with part one of D&D 5e Doors. Uh, the jumping back and forth was well done uh, and managed not to lose me at any point. Don't worry. We'll lose you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> episode one has a lot of jumping about. Episode two has a lot of jumping about. Episode three has a lot of jumping about. And I think by episode four, you actually get on with the fucking script. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, and I have a dog. There is now a dog. I have achieved dog. Hello. <laughs> it's because this looks like a tennis ball. I'm, I'm using jumbo dice, and one of them is a huge yellow D20 in it, so I think he thinks it's a tennis ball. I think he thinks he just wants to be the centre of attention when you have people around. He's, he's a dog. That's normal. He's like that. He's the doggiest dog I ever had. <laughs> okay, so let's... Dog. <laughs> let's go around the table and introduce ourselves with the dog. The pet name for a pet better than my girlfriend's um, nicknames for her, for our dog. Not your girlfriend anymore. Fiance. Your fiance. Get that right. Dear God, to... get that right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to. She still refers to me as her boyfriend. No, 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 Mm. We try. We, we strive for reciprocity, <laughs> but we never succeed. No. And, and it's a lifelong battle. You can't quite let it go. You can't quite lose that fight. You've got to kind of keep yeah, it alive. Otherwise you lose the respect, but then it's just, no. Yeah. Yeah, she, she, she's got to have a way. But he's got a hero quest. 
never heard of it. You have not lived. But I don't play tickle. Up to this point, much. you have not yet earned a soul. <laughs> you have not <laughs> played. Here, I don't know, I've read everything Dad has that Hero Quest is what got a lot of people into role-playing. It's the really? first time I ever DM'd, really. That's what's a classic game, that's why I can't that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's expensive, rare. yeah. Uh, it's 80 quid to get a, a, a decent set on eBay these days, if you're lucky enough. Can you hear me? Yeah, can I hear you? Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> can you hear me? Uh, yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I'm the dog. How about here? And today we're going to be reenacting the invasion of Normandy. <laughs> <laughs> I lived there. Everyone's lived in Wales. Where? Claverestwith. Oh dear. As yeah. a blue-eyed Germanic man, I never expected to experience racism outside of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> then I went to Wales. And I was like, okay, I'm the pariah here. Yeah, yeah, um, that's why you stay in Cardiff, which is the English capital. Yeah. And I'd just like to say thank you very much to the Welsh Tourist Board for their uh, latest um, bit of money towards our way. I hope this advertisement for you has done you proud. <laughs> <laughs> this message is brought to you by the Welsh Tourist Board. It's not all sheeps and lava bread. Yes. It's Wales. It's yeah. not as crap as you've heard. <laughs> Yeah, we're also sponsored by uh, Liverpool Tourist Board uh, this evening. <laughs> this message brought to you by Liverpool. We're so, so sorry. <laughs> noise from dogs is fine background noise. Utterly, utterly fine because it's cute. <laughs> right now he's brought his toy over and he keeps on like pouring at me and giving me that look of please. <laughs> we might just have to play the dog instead of do this. <laughs> this is dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's the noise of a dog being bicep curled. <laughs> can you hear this bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I can hear this. <laughs> oh, this is a bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, we've become the Leviathan Files. <laughs> Anybody who hasn't, go, go to the Leviathan Files, not on the iTunes feed, go onto their website where they've got their entire first season they condensed down to like 40 minutes because for like 16 episodes it's these these two guys try and two guys, two people um, it's, it's the, the two players just trying desperately to break the GM's campaign by any means necessary just absolutely insane they, they, they focus entirely on shopping <laughs> okay <laughs> Like there's all this cosmic stuff going around, and there's all they're really concerned about is okay, yeah, we've shot all those guys. Yes, we're we're doing zero G combat. Yes, we've got the, these weird tentacle things. Yes, we've got all this this intrigue and drama and whatever. But I've got a load of gold. Where do I go shopping? <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, they actually do spend an entire episode doing shopping montages. It's great. It involves a drinking contest. That sounds um, like a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, with a, uh, a crow I believe, to try and drink a crow the table to get a discount and stuff. And then buying a harpoon gun. The Leviathan. Oh, is that Mass Effect? Yeah, one of the main characters is. Um, I'm thinking of the laundry final. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the. Um, I do want to play the laundry. I've got that coming. Um, one of the main characters is is uh, a CSEC officer called Calchorus, um, but his cover is Doctor Richard Quarian Vas Quarian DDS. He's the, he's the most hardcore dentist who ever dentist. But he knows nothing about teeth, so he just makes it up. But none of the other characters are human. So he just goes, oh yeah, I'm a human specialist dentist. Yeah, this is, yeah. Humans are terrifying. 
Go How many teeth have you got? Up to 700. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting fact I learned the other day, I'm a lizard. I would like to be Batman this time <laughs> next year. <laughs> Half past four. Hello, doggy. And then Miss Fuzzywinkle turned to Peter Rabbit and said, Shall we engage in carnal uh, <laughs> activities to power my necromantic spells? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, Mrs. Fuzzywinkle. Shall we? <laughs> Down, down. <laughs> 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 and I just ruined Peter Rabbit for everyone. <laughs> I can save it though. Go Except online. for the furries. Go online and try and find yourself a thing called Peter Rabbit Tank Killer. It's amazing. It's Peter Rabbit as a Second World War hero. Cool. Okay. There is a bazooka. That, that may be my new webcomic. Big girl! On a podcast! Oh, you've had one, haven't you? Yeah. We never had two. How do you find them? It depends if you count Dax as well. Friends of friends. <laughs> <laughs> because dwarf means port. Fuck you. Fuck everyone. Fuck everyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Wyoming, which is a landlocked state. <laughs> yes, and it, does, and it doesn't mean dwarf because it's a place name that sounds a cool name. It means dwarf because I invented a fucking language. <laughs> Fair enough. And um, then I aged that language 10,000 years. And I'm bitter about it. Oh boy. <laughs> yes, continue. Geek rage revealed. I don't have an alphabet though. I don't have like a, like a separate alphabet. No. Do, do you know Fair. the way you're kind of like venting about this? I kind of feel we're going to get to the port and Cthulhu in power armor is just going to be Fine. <laughs> Read my notes again. Although, uh, just. I'm masturbating that dice all day. <laughs> yeah. Everyone listening knows exactly what that's going to Use some loot, man. <laughs> that was too far. As bad as this is for you, I, I can't actually see what you're doing, so the theatre of the mind is worse. <laughs> And do you want Karahad to help you? Uh, oh god, no, he doesn't need help with this. <laughs> I'm sure Tom would, he's a decent guy. <laughs> yeah, Tom, Tom's conscientious, he's finished you off. Dwarf and happy ended massages. <laughs> oh, please take that to .com. <laughs> Sure it is, unfortunately. Let's have it. No, that's not. That's not. Okay. Just roll the damn skills. <laughs> I was going to say, can I also speak Draconic? I have no idea why. Because I had a language to choose. Uh, you do not speak Draconic. I do not speak Draconic. Fair enough. Um, the languages that you can choose to speak are Kotobari, Anish, Buranese. You can speak different like languages, like imagine flavors of common. You can just okay. get an advantage on um, speaking the local lingo. But um, in terms of the the D and D languages, they're not a thing. Yeah. He's got it because of he's got a weird thing going on. Fair. Um, <clears throat> but if you wanted to say I speak another language, and you can just say, well, we're in this situation. Can I just speak this guy's tongue? Okay. But you know, be that a slang or a different dialect or whatever. We're going to take these guys out, we're going to double cross them because either we'll get unimaginable power if we do and inherit the world or we'll have just taken out a really bad thing which is, you know, 
Um, no bad thing. Make money fight bitches. Um, <laughs> And I'm basing all of this entirely off having played um, Pirates, the BC game. <laughs> and Monkey Island. It, Biddy brought this upon you all. What? I did? Yeah, I asked you if you wanted anything in particular going forward. You said, uh, you know, some sea battles and piracy would be nice. I thought, well, one of you's wearing a pirate flag, one of you is a pirate, let's do this. You, you in a beholder's lair, you find, was it, you know, you find a shoe that once belonged to a beholder. Um, but beholders have no feet; they float. They're, they're floating ball. Yeah. And so um, the guy from um, uh, Morgan, the chap from Going In Blind podcast, says, "How does this work? How? It's a beholder; it has no feet." And so, well, there's people come in all the time and die in and leaving their stuff, whatever. Um, you know, uh, you know, and people have stuff they don't use all the time. You know, it's like people just collect things and never use them. And someone else came on going, "Oh my God! It's a, not a beholder; it's a beholder." <laughs> and so from that moment I've just been thinking to myself and like the idea of a golem really so it's like you go into this beholder's lair and as part of their lair actions they can make the the, the surroundings do things yeah. they've got these legendary actions as part of their lair Oi. Um, it's a new, a new mechanic for 5e <clears throat> for high level monsters and I was thinking, well, if it was a beholder, maybe it's like you go in and there's these huge stacks of newspapers and <laughs> you know, they just come alive and start cutting you and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then I was thinking, no, 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 trash golem. So he's a hoarder golem. And it's like a golem made out of cats. <laughs>